Welcome back, everyone, to the Teacher Talk podcast. This is CJ Reynolds, and I wanted to remind you that my new book came out. Teacher Class Off, The Real Rap Guide to Teaching is now available at Amazon and on barnesandnoble.com. And it would be available at B. Dalton bookstores if they still existed. Alas, it does not. So if you do end up getting the book, if you would please, please, please leave a comment thing on Amazon, review rather, that would really mean the world to me. It helps the book get to more people. And that's it. Without further ado, here's this week's episode of Teacher Talk. Peace. Welcome to Real Rap with Reynolds Teacher Talk with your host, C.J. Reynolds. Operating out of the laundry room these days. And so it just makes it life like slightly easier when we're back here because the kids like can walk by and get a drink if they want to. They can um, like people can come to the door and you don't hear the dog going as nuts yeah. from back here. We're at the end of the house. We're at the back end of the house. So um, yeah, but it's has its own challenges that we're trying to dial in here. So um, look, I, Oh, so let me, let me talk about this. Can you pull up that John? Like what's where that thing is? We can do it on here. Um, tomorrow night. Or no, actually, can we wait till Tuesday night. Should I wait till the middle of the thing to do this? Or? No, but just keep yammering. Okay. So, um, Tomorrow night or Tuesday night, I got asked to do this thing that's called a get happy hour. And so my friend Dustin, who does, um, what's Dustin's, uh, Dustin. thing is just Dustin Ecker, yeah. Dustin Ecker, um, on, he's like, and I have to, I'd say it like that because he's the only like teacher that doesn't have like a teacher name on, on Instagram. So he, uh, and I, he's, he's a friend of mine and this other guy, uh, Albert Chivy, uh, he goes by call me Chivy on Instagram. So they got tied into this thing that they are trying to raise a million dollars. There's a, a company, an organization called, uh, that is going by the name of the get happy hours, trying to raise a million dollars for teachers. And it's a million dollars that like that million dollars comes in and it goes to teachers. It doesn't pay for production. It doesn't pay for anything else. So it's the production company that does like um, that works with Zach Alfanakis to make in, uh, between two ferns. So they asked a bunch of us educators, and it's a lot of people from Instagram that are on there. Dan Porterfield is the one who's uh, not narrating it, but what's he doing? What would you, what do you call that, John? Hosting. Hosting it. Um, Colin Powell's going to be on there. John Legend's going to be on there. Uh, I forget who else was on there. There's a whole bunch of crazy. Oh, here's the speakers. Um, Ken Burns, the documentary filmmaker who's amazing is going to be on there and like all these other folks. And it's like, uh, oh, everybody's favorite. What's his name? Oh, uh, is it Captain William McRaven? Admiral William McRaven? I don't know. The guy that talks about make your bed and everyone loves that, that TED talk. So it's sick, man. And it's going to be on. Oh, Tracy just posted that on Facebook. Oh, oh Tracy yeah. Pinter yeah, did. it's great. <laughs> So it's on, what's the channel that it's on? Do you remember? Yeah, it's on theirs, an explanation. Um, one hour virtual event, Tuesday, May 5th at 8 p.m. Eastern Standard Time. You can check it out on Explanation Kids or uh, at Time for Kids. And so if you just go to te the teach teachergethappyhour.com, all the information is right there. And the thing that I thought was really interesting about this was, one, they wanted voices from real teachers. So we were asked, like, what's learn what's working in, in distance learning, what's not working in distance learning. And a lot of questions around that. 
And so it was fun to be able to have like this kind of like real conversation with people that are really kind of, they're in the classroom, they're doing the work. And then to have all these folks kind of get behind teachers to get excited, like create, I think, is this the one that Crayola's? Crayola's backing this. Mm -hmm. And so they're trying to raise a million dollars so they can make tiny little, uh, like donations. So you like would essentially go on. It's as simple as a Google form. This is how it's going to work out. Like when, once they get the money, anyone on here can go on there. You fill out like your name and, and your address and what you want. And then that's it. It's not like a big, like sign up thing. For a grant, You're essentially applying for a grant, but applying for a grant is so tedious. Right. All the so time. they cut out all the work. They're cutting out awesome. all the nonsense and just making it so that like folks from here will be able to go on and then, you know, apply for it and get like these mini grants. So if you need stuff for your house, if your lighting is whack and you need a light ring, if you want um, supplies for your students, if you want to be able to order books on Amazon, which is one of my ideas I have lately is like ordering books for my students and then mailing them to their houses. So you can find those needs. What maybe your students need food. Maybe you want to order pizzas. Like you can, you can do, you can get this money and then help students or help yourself and help your family or help your situation so that you can do a better job. And so it's really, really exciting. Um, and then there's another thing that I'm involved with that doesn't come up for a couple of weeks. I, I think, I forget when the other one is, Man, there's so much going on. This is why ED exists in my life. ED is our, uh, our friend from afar that like is like assists me and all this stuff. Um, but there's another thing I got roped into also that's Instagram and Facebook are having a 2020 commemorate, like a, like a graduation, a virtual graduation that's going to be hosted by Oprah Winfrey. That is, she is the commencement speaker. It's like Miley Cyrus is involved in all these A-list celebrities. And then I got a, a little tiny spot in there also, but that's just, it's all this bonkers stuff going on. Um, but it's really good stuff. It's like people going on offense instead of defense, being in the middle of all this madness that's happening right now. And then like doing something positive for kids and I can't, I can't help but get behind that. So, um, that's it. Let's, uh, let's jump into this. Um, sorry, Jake, I didn't give you a jump off point there, Jake, the podcast guy, but you can just, you can include all that stuff. Um, real quick, if you're brand new here, I'll give you the quick fast version of this. My name is CJ Rounds. I run this channel called Real Rap of the Rounds. I really think there could probably, there's probably people out there that could say this same thing that I do all the time. Probably. They could, I bet Tracy Pender could be like, I run this YouTube channel. All right. So anyway, um, the whole idea here is uh, me and my friends show up every Sunday night and we answer your questions. And so you put a question in the side, nothing's off the table. You can talk about anything except for the crazy devil guy that shows up every once in a while and starts talking about satanic craziness on the side and tells everyone to go and, you know, whatever's happening. Um, we just, Tracy and unicorns take care of that guy. Uh, other than that, everything's on the table. Whatever you're worried about, whatever you're thinking about, whatever you're getting ready for tomorrow, whatever's going on in your world of education and beyond, we're here to help you out. If that's not enough, I can speak with your school. You can get my book, teach your class off. Teach your class off. There's the t-shirt. Um, and all that stuff is available. You can go right to my website, realrapidreynolds.com. And that's it. That's the short, quick version of it. Let's jump into some questions. Rebecca Wood. Oh, I feel like I haven't seen that name in a while. Is this the same old Rebecca Wood yeah. that's been around forever? Nice. Um, I was asked this week to teach at an, an AP class for next year, U.S. government and comparative government. And while I'm excited... 
I'm feeling overwhelmed. Where do I start? First year teacher here. So that's a really great, great question. Oh, thanks. I th it's really funny when people are like, I read it in a day. I read it in two days. I'm like, it took a long time to write that thing. Like, it was like, it was like, damn. It's like when the kids, when we go miniature golfing and they just want to rush through and it's like, bro, this was expensive. Let's just, you know, we're at the bougie miniature golf, not the dollar one on the boardwalk. But senior honors classes, but not AP. And because I just never felt called to do that. So for me, it's always who are you teaching and what's going to make it exciting, right? Like I get that AP classes, I feel like a lot of times get put in this special category because it's typically kids that want to learn, kids that are going to do the work, kids that are already well-read, like they're, they're smart, like motivated students. And so you don't have to do all the stuff to get them real excited about it, but I still think you can get them excited about it. And so what are you going to do to make those lessons come alive? So to be honest with you, I would, you know, I think the best move you can do is if someone on here knows something that like you teach AP or when you started teaching AP, I feel like that's going to be a really good resource. Maybe you could trade email addresses with someone or, or phone number, like email addresses and then phone numbers. I wouldn't put your phone number on here. Um, and because I did that when I was on Ask Gary V, and then I started getting tons of phone calls from people that were like, can you hook me up with Gary V? And I was like, no. So then <laughs> the other good place to put that is, or take that is to the Facebook group and just put that in there because there's got, you know, I think the people that are going to be able to help you the best are the people that have been through it. Um, and then just, I would, I would just make it the greatest. You know, my friend, Randy Rebuy, who's a um, really great author. I've talked about him on here a bunch. He's written some really great books called like After the Shot Drops and Patron States of Nothing. And so he, I just remember his AP class being riveting. Like I would sit in the back and try and do work because we don't have any free space in our, in our school. It's like every single room's taken up at every single moment of every single day. So I would just sit in the back and do work. And then I'd end up like getting caught up in whatever Randy was talking about. I'm like, man, I never really thought of that before. And it was just <laughs> fascinating. So yeah, so not a good answer for me, but um, two good places to go. So maybe you can connect with someone and they can help you out. And then you can give me all the credit for it. Not really, just kidding. Um, next question. Jamie is asking, Jamie, like that profile picture. Mm. Oh, snap. Here's a great question. Letters for the year are... Um, you didn't read it. Yeah. Oh, my bad. She said, let's let's put you back up and then I'll and then I'll answer my question. <laughs> uh Jamie asked, what are you planning to do with the letters you have your students write at the beginning of the year? So right here under my desk, bam, those are those letters. So uh when I went in to clean out my classroom the other week, I had to get all the stuff out. And so I made sure that I grabbed those letters and then I asked the school for everyone's address. And I'm not sure. So I was I can have the school send them, which is probably what I'm going to end up doing, but I'm just going to like figure out like who still goes to our school. Number one, because not all the kids like graduate from our school. And then in that case, I just hold on to them. And if anyone ever reaches out, I have all the letters from all the past students that never got them back, uh, which is fun. Sometimes I get like, I'll meet someone randomly 10 years later and they're like, Oh, I never got my letter from you. And I'm like, bro, just like send me your address and I'll send it right to you. So um, but I'm still going to send them to them. Uh, if I thought about it, it would have been really fun the other week when we were driving around to students' houses to give them out then. But 
I think this is this is probably even better because that was a moment and it was exciting. And then this will be a moment and this will be exciting. So it's like something good to get in the mail when, you know, when staying at home just sucks for so many students right now. Uh, Stephanie Henry is asking, did I miss that we can get merch? Wife, want to speak to the merch situation? Not yet. <laughs> it's such a tangle web to figure out. And like, I'm really particular. So I just like make sure I look at all the options thoroughly. And that hasn't been easy with, I just feel like there's no designated time for me to work. I work around CJ schedule and the kids and yada, yada. Yeah. So it's coming. Um, but no, not yet. So there's, um, so these were like the shirts that we got made for the giveaway. And then we just got like a couple more made for us, but then we're the shirts that we're going to get made are like far more elaborate than this. Um, so, and then I think these shirts will be available also at some point because um, they're just less expensive. And so the other stuff like, but, you know, I think the thing with merch is like, it's not a thing to make money with. It's a thing that like, if you're a part of what we're doing and you want to support that or you want to rock that, right. you know, you want to get that certain kind of swag, like you can get it, but um, it will be basically, we're basically selling stuff for cost. And then, um, you know, but but it's expensive. Like the, like all the shirts are like really nice. Like these, I don't, I hate cheap t-shirts, like the ones your school gives away all the time and stuff. So they're like nice t-shirts with like nice graphics on them. So yeah, it's going to be sick. The one with the book cover on it is going to be sick. <laughs> I'm so stoked for that one. Um, question. Yes. The next one below that. Oh, splendid. Hmm. Thanks for being prepared. Um, Nicole. Oh snap. It just jumped. That always happens. Why does that do that to you? It's the, you're the only person that that does that. Doesn't, it doesn't want to listen to me. Um, oh, it's so far sweet up nectar. Now. Sweet nectar. You just have big thumbs. I do. My thumbs are terrible for like even in texting. You... Um, what am I going for here? Oh, there you go. Got it. Mm -hmm. I'm holding that. I don't need you to hold it. Okay. Uh, question: What do you do when you have a smelly student? <laughs> I don't know. Help us because we have I, a lovely age at home. Uh, right our kids are at the age now where deodorant is necessary and they don't always think so. They go, nah, I don't stink. Well, it doesn't matter about you. Brushing your teeth is not about us. It's about the people we talk to. <laughs> and except when you wear the coronavirus mask, when you go out with that mask on, you're like, damn, should brush again. Should just brush again because I ate that peanut butter and jelly sandwich and now I'm smelling it. Um, so I, you know, it's, it's tricky because if you have a student that smells, right, because they're either not bathing or they don't have deodorant or whatever it is, sometimes I have students that it's a cultural thing. Like I've had students that like, um, they just come, they move here from somewhere that like doesn't like bathing's not like, it's either not an option or it's like wearing deodorant's not a thing that they do. And so you have to have that conversation. Sometimes it's because kids just don't have money. Sometimes it's because kids like don't have, like there's no money for deodorant. There's no money for like water is a, is a thing at home. Um, And sometimes kids are just raised like that. Like it's just like not a priority in your life to like smell good. Um, So it's, to me, it's always a conversation that's based around um, like, look, I, I'm this is something I'm noticing. Um, and I just want to address it. 
right? I'm not judging it, I'm just bringing it up. And so if I, but if I'm not really connected with a kid, I don't have the conversation. I find someone else that is because it has to come from the right voice. Because what the last thing you know, you want someone to do is feel bad or feel like you have to do this for me. But in all honesty, what I'm really trying to look out for is one, I, I do want to teach self-care and self-respect for yourself. Two, I really want to, um, it's like school is such a brutal place anyway that man if you're if you're the smelly kid you're just going to get dogged by everyone and then look i don't mind f- helping you fight your battles or like sticking up for you when students are doing whatever they're doing but i don't it's like that one's too easy it's like you know so it's you know what i do usually is my guy meeks who i talk about in the book and is a really good friend of mine at school he knows all the kids and he can have that conversation. Sometimes Cho is the person to do that. Sometimes our uh, our uh, social worker, Miss Morales, will do that, and she's really great and gentle with students. Um, sometimes that means like she'll just call home and say, "Hey, look, if you could talk to your student about this, like this is a thing that we're noticing." Um, yeah, and so that it's it's tricky situation, but it's like it's I think it's about finding the right voice the right messenger for the message because otherwise, you know, you're going to break someone's heart or embarrass them. And no one wants to do that. Um, Wendy, Wendy Clark is asking if you eat lunch with your students every day, which is awesome. How do you build relationships with your colleagues, especially if you're a brand new to the school? That's a great question. So sorry, I didn't know where you want that. Um, that's a great question. So one, let me think about how I would do that initially. Um, I'm real big on, so when I first started teaching, if I was brand new, if I started a new school next year, right? One, I wouldn't have students eat in my room. I'd still put the, uh, the invite out there on the first day of school and say, Hey, look, if you ever want to eat my room, it's just an open space. You don't have to hang with me. You don't have to talk with me. Or if you don't want to, they always will, but you just give them that option to like come in and not have to feel like they have to engage with you, especially if it's like a introverted student, Um, but if I was brand new, I'd probably do it on certain days and say like, yo, every Monday and Friday or Monday, Wednesday and Friday, like you can eat in my room Tuesday and Thursday, I would go eat like in the teacher's lounge. Or I would say like, as I'm, as that kind of gets rolling over the first few weeks and you're talking to teachers, like, yo, you should come eat in our room. Like we're, I eat with the students every day. And what that's going to do is like, not every teacher wants to do that. And not every, like, and that's, that's not a diss. Like, like some teachers just need that time off. And I get it. Uh, there's, there are times in the school day when it's like, man, I, that's why I go to Dunkin' Donuts every day. I drive to Dunkin' Donuts. It is a seven minute round trip and it's, it's a waste of money. Kind of like I could just make coffee at school, but like, I want that ride where, cause even when I'm in the parking lot, sometimes at school, kids will see me in my car and they come out there or faculty members come out there. They knock on the door and they're like, so-and-so's mom's here to see. And it's like, dude, I'm on break. Like I'm like in the car. Like I, I can't get any like further away from the school without like parking down the street and looking like a real wacko. But I just take a ride to Dunkin' Donuts every day to just get out of the school. So I just think, you know, splitting your time and then look, building relationships isn't a isn't a real time consuming activity. It's also getting there a little bit earlier in the morning, saying what's up to people, saying something nice, giving someone something, leaving something in a mailbox. You're building relationships in all these little ways, going out after school, maybe grabbing dinner with someone or, or, you know, 
apps and drinks after school. Um, I feel so bougie. That's why I got to say it like apps and drinks. So um, it's finding those other times. The only time you can really build relationship with students largely is in school, though. So that's why I use that time. And again, because, you know, in high school, like I hated eating lunch, like that first day in the lunchroom at school in my freshman year was the worst. And I still, I can, I have vivid memory of it. So I try and provide the students with that out. So that's, that's how I balance those two sort of things. Um, Erica Smith is asking, what time is the event on Tuesday? It's 8 PM Eastern time. It's going to be awesome. The teachers that are on there are phenomenal. It's like, uh, it's like Dustin Ecker and Apron Educator, Barry White Jr. Not the Barry White that you think, not yogurt. Um, that's who I thought it was at first. Uh, <laughs> don't call me Shivy. I'm going to forget the other girl's last name. It starts with a K. I don't know. Uh, well, but all those folks are going to be Um, Maisha Hutchinson, our old friend, uh, is asking... How would you respond to a parent requesting parent requesting for printed copies of assignments that you have currently placed on Google Classroom? The parent punished their child for using technology. I know the answer to that one. <laughs> I wouldn't do it. Um, right? Like, yeah, because the punishment from technology—it's like not a, a gift yeah. that they're able to go on technology to go use. Like that's a weird excuse, and just putting more work on that on the teacher yeah. for no reason. It's like the parent. That's not your that responsibility. Because the parent just print it out, right? Like I don't know, but that's their responsibility. Or is that um, mean? I would so all right. So like, let's take a look at this. What if the parent? So if we're looking at a parent like that is working that um okay that's true and can't trust their student to be home alone with technology what if the parent doesn't have a printer what, what if they, they don't took have all the technology because everybody everybody in the world knows every parent in the world knows that if you have a printer doesn't mean you have ink like right oh, it's just like true. how many inkless printers are out there in the world just sitting there because it's or you're <laughs> have to start printing in blue because you know the black right now um so in that case look Maisha, i think all right. To be honest with you, now, I'm, now I rethink it. It's like, can you, would I make an exception? It would depend on the student. Um, and it would depend on the situation. It would depend on the parent. It would depend on a lot of those things. Um, but then it's like, are you responsible for printing that out, for mailing that at your own cost because their kid can't keep it together? You know, I, I think I would reach out to an, an administrator and say like, hey, um, how do you want to handle this? Like, what are we going to do for these particular students that don't have this situation? And then it's like something gets mailed to your house. I know us, like we're, we're the crazy people right now that, um, I take stuff out of the mailbox, put it in a random bag and let it just sit there for days before I open it. Yeah. Cause I don't want to touch it. Cause I think the mail is gross. Yeah. And then that kid, then what happens? Like the kid has to mail it back to you or something like that. Like it just seems, it just seems tricky. Um, I don't know if I, Royster, what would you do in that situation? You're an administrator. Um, I, I'm just wondering like what you, what, how you would handle that. First of all, I like that a lot of people have commented inkless printer over here. It is. Hashtag Tracy, thank you for not hashtag, making me feel insane. <laughs> hashtag inkless printer. Um, yeah. So I, I get like, it, it's a tricky question well, because so it's e like, you want to be sensitive to someone's needs and what they actually have going on. But if they... But, but the other part of me is like, bro, no. 
Like when dudes keep handing work in, that's 35 days late. And I'm like, but I know the guy, like, I know who I'm dealing with. I know it's, I know your situation. It's like some kids, I get it, man. I had kids hit me up. They're having a real hard situation. They're having like a real hard time. Their depression is really overwhelming them. The anxiety of all of this is overwhelming them. There's not enough computers in the house. It's overwhelming them. Like that is Maisha. So that I get. Um, But when you know your students, it's like, you know, who's trying to pull a fast one on you. Who's not. Um, Someone said that our school has us email assignments to the receptionist and they print off and make copies of our lessons for students to pick up. Brilliant. brilliant. Done. That's what you do. That's what I would do. And I would let administration know as well. And so say, Here's what's happening. Here's how I feel like I want to handle this so that it's not costing me money. And so we're still meeting the needs of the student. Um, yeah, that's what I would do. Yeah. Plus that copy machine is just sitting there. <laughs> you know, it works right now too. Cause copy machines. That's the one look. I mean, come on. It's 2020 right now. I'm talking to people all over the world on my computer, but I can't make 30 copies without that thing getting jammed up. And then you get it jammed up and you got to pull out 97 drawers and well, it's the same thing with all of the printers around then, that are useless or just they don't. You can work tell right. who never got hurt doing it because they just put their hand in there like it's not a big deal. <laughs> and I got burnt on a printer one time, and it it was gnarly, man. So I'm gonna I'll stop that tirade right now. But um, Alex Q is asking: We are opening up schools again on May 14th here in Finland. Do you have any? Tips for easing students back into learning into the classroom again. Uh, by then, we will have been out for two months equals chaos. So first of all, Alex, the rest of the world, we all know that whatever Finland's doing in education is right, right? So, you know, it's it's fantastic. Um, who sent me that Maybe book? not opening up on May 14th. Well, though. so look, I, I mean, it's, it's tricky, I right? Like, like you know, I think, um, what's his name? Did you get uh, Alex. Alex. So Alex, um... I think, gosh, one, I, I just think leading with care is always the move. Leading with a sense that, oh my God, I'm so glad that you're back. I'm so thankful that the year didn't end like that. I'm so thankful that I get to see you again is, is like, has to be it. I wouldn't expect a ton of students to show back up. Um, I, you know, who was it last week? Somebody from Sweden said their students came back. That weekend, they had about fifty percent attendance rate. So um, and I think anyway. it was, I think they were in Sweden, and so that is something to me. Um, I just think leading with care, um, helping students work through things like anxiety, helping students like get back into the groove. But I think it's going to be like riding a bicycle. I think you're going to have a week, maybe a couple days of sort of that awkward beginning stuff, like the beginning of the year. And then you're just going to jump right back into it and it's going to be game on. Um, look, I really, to be honest with you, man, I'd love to hear about how that goes. Like if you show up next week and give us an update, like how many students are showing up to school? What was it like? How are they handling social distancing and stuff like that when you're in school? Um, because essentially, I mean, even though we're, we're separated, right? Like everyone's in the same room, the ventilation system leads to all the classrooms. So I'm just interested in how that's, going to, to, to play out. But, um, yeah, I think leading with excitement and care and genuine sense of like, you know, even though I would be nerve wracked to go back into a classroom setting right now with all that's going on, especially because New York has the highest numbers in the United States. I live in New Jersey, which is right next to New York city. Um, 
and I mean, I don't live right next to New York City, but like I live in southern New Jersey and that we have the second biggest, right? Right now yeah. still like second Jersey is second biggest rate. And then Philly's a huge city also. So it's like I'm I'm in this space where I don't know how good I would feel about it, but I would absolutely make the best out of it if I did. If I had to go back and I didn't have a choice for some reason. Uh, Ryan is asking, hey, uh, I don't know why I can't read my own name. Ray Reynolds, um, what are you doing with your scholars with IEPs? I have ADD and uh, I have ADD and struggle to stay on top of my uh, WFH. I'm so old. What the hell does WFH mean? Responsibilities, work. Oh, my own responsibilities. That's what I think. No. Work from home. Oh. <laughs> oh, you won! Ding ding ding. <laughs> um, so I really get that they're having a hard for them to just give extra time. So I give, I give extra time. I also keep my lessons short and sweet. As my buddy Adam Welcome was saying, like, it's trimming the fat. So I don't, it's like, um, so last week, I mean, let me tell you about a mistake I made. So I have, I'm trying to do a lot of short stories and periodicals because, um, because I just think that that works. So teaching high school English, it's easier than I, I my students don't have access to novels. No one has a Kindle. And if they do, they're, they're spaced out cell phones aren't always reliable and stuff like that. Internet's not always reliable. So for me, it's posting stuff on Google classroom and creating videos that go along with, with the stuff. But last week I posted the story, um, the lottery, the short story of the lottery. And it's, I don't know, eight pages or something like that. But what I should have done and what I talked to my curriculum director about was that, so I posted the story. I posted like bare bones questions that were like, you know, not all just comprehension questions, but like some other stuff, like some looking for textual evidence, stuff like that. Um, the problem was, and he said this too, like students that are going to look at five to eight pages of reading are just not going to do it. Like there's certain kids that just aren't going to do it. And when we're not there to sort of read with them, um, it becomes difficult. Now I did include an audio version of it that I found on YouTube for free. I attached it to the Google classroom and in 17 minutes, you could listen to the whole thing. But, you know, I, I get it like that. That's still too much for certain students. So what I should have done was broken into parts. I could have done it like in three different parts, had kids read like only a little bit at a time or listen to a little bit at a time. So it becomes so again, like I'm always talking about you're rigging the game so the kids can win. And that's probably what I should have done, especially with that, with the students with IEPs in mind. Um so the other thing I do that I've just been doing a lot of is just calling students or texting students. Um, we've been using, and I haven't been using it a lot yet, but uh, House Party is like the new app that all of my students are doing. So it's like, it's, what it looks like is like essentially social media platform. You put your stuff in there and then you just kind of go live on it. And whoever else is live or sees like, if you get a push notification, so I'll get a push notification that like some of my students or fellow teachers or my brothers on there, and you can just go in and then talk to them. And this is a really great safe space that I think talk to students because it's not, um, it's not a phone call. It's on an email. It doesn't seem so cold as, and, and for, and like sort of formal as, as those platforms do. Um, you know, then there's also other issues of, of like, what is your school think about social media and can you like uh, there's there's that kind of wackiness so i was talking to a girl last week 
teaches in Camden, New Jersey, where I used to teach. And she said that she has to record all of her Zoom calls that she does with her classes and then upload them to Google Drive when she's done in case they need, like, someone says the teacher said something or did. Yeah, it's like proof for, like, I guess if, like, teachers or students act in an inappropriate way. It's recorded. Yeah, it's just like, bro, like, yeah, no. what? That's such an extra step now to just do when we have like so much to do learning isn't already enough it, it's, no that's and that's that's even a whole nother thing of like how the hell do we teach in the world where teachers just can't be trusted like bro do your work like keep it cool like what like what are you doing on a zoom call with a whole bunch of kids that you're out of pocket and now like we have to have proof on a on a google drive in case you do something stupid like and if your kids are doing it, like, I don't know. I just think there's better ways of handling it than recording it. And then what are you going to do? Send the clip to the parent? Like, yeah. it seems nuts. Anyway, that's a whole other thing. What's well, the lack of personal, like, yeah. connection and all? Yeah. So I've I found that <laughs> it is the personal connection, rather, with the student that motivates them. So that's that's the move. That's what I think. That's, that's what I'm doing anyway. Um, Amber Morris is asking, how... Do you, how can I do better with e-learning? Amber, that this is the question, right? Uh, I, I, you know, it's tough. It's tough because I'm not sure. In answering this, it's like knowing what someone's situation is, knowing what their student situation is, their school situation, what the parameters they have on. Are you teaching from a script? Are you teaching from, are you just making it up as you go? I think there's a couple things that I can do. So let me speak to this. How can I kind of get better from the stuff that I'm doing? One, my plan this week is to reach out to other English teachers at my school and say, what have you done yet? And can we swap lessons so that I'm not recreating the wheel all the time? Two, I'm only grading one day a week from now on. Um, it was going to be Friday, but I had a, a commitment on Friday. So I knew I couldn't get through all the grading. And I don't like to do bits of grading. Like when my, I hate at school when someone goes, how come you didn't grade my paper? You graded their paper. And it's like, I want everyone's grades to go in at once in like within a two hour period or so. And it's done. So I'm only grading one day a week uh, so that I can, and then everything's up to date. I'm also creating from going forward as much as possible lessons that we only have to post two days a week on Tuesdays and Thursdays are English. So I will post something on Tuesday and it will be the Tuesday, Thursday lesson. It'll be broken into two parts, but I'm going to post it all there now and then there's, uh, it can only be handed in until Friday. Now, look, our school says that we have to accept all late work. That means over the past five or six weeks, every single thing that has been handed in or that comes in late, I still have to grade. I get the rationale behind this, but that is incredibly taxing and incredibly time consuming. So I'm also not making that work a priority. I'll still grade it, but I'm just not going to grade it immediately. Like that's not that, that week. I'm grading everything that I can um, from that week that was handed in on time. And then late assignments uh, will get like, I'll just do them in the order in which they came in and a few a day or something like that. Like whatever feels reasonable to me or that I can figure out that day. Um, and then, like I said, switching things with other folks. I'm going to do a lot more. I'm going to um, use Scholastic a lot. It's, you know, and I've done brand deals with Scholastic before. I'm not, I'm not in one right now. So this isn't a push for them or ad for them, but they just have like up to date, like, so their um, upfront magazine is like, is 
created by the people from um, New York Times. So you can go on there and it's like like timely news articles that and things that are interesting to students. They have lessons. They have questions that you can ask your students. You ha- have like if you were doing a live class, you could follow along with some of their procedures that they have on there. It's just really well done. And I don't feel that way about a lot of stuff. I feel like a lot of teacher content that's created for the internet is, is created by someone who was a software developer, someone that um, learned about learning or learned about teaching, but never actually did the thing. And so there, it's not real conducive to the class. It wasn't like for teachers by teachers kind of a thing. Um, and a lot of stuff on TPT is a lot of just worksheets and crap. And it's not real. It's not like learning. It's more like this looks cute and I can give it to you and I'm going to look like I did the job. But look, overall, last thing I want to say about this is there's going to be some loss in what we're doing here. And I think that if we all just kind of own that and don't beat yourself up and and beat your students up, like have grace for you and your students and know that next year there's going to be slack to pick up. This is going to have a ripple effect over the next few years. But what are we learning out of this and how are we growing out of this, I think, is and doing the best with what we've got. Um you know, it feels like a little bit like I'm in a movie like the Bad News Bears right now, and I'm just trying to figure it out as I go. So that's that's why I think a lot of this is right now. Uh, Kristen is asking, question, I was interviewing for a social studies position and was surprised to find out that it was for a magnet program position. I did my best. Do you have any tips on getting hired for magnet jobs? So look, I think from my understanding, those are jobs that like So magnet schools, for those of you that don't know, at least around here, this is my understanding of them, are it's like a charter school and people can apply, but you have like sometimes they have testing, sometimes the application process. So they pick kids that are kind of it's more like a private school setting. It's a best of the best sort of situation. So, you know, I've the only job I never got that I applied for was at a public school near my area, but it was like a real it was like a like the teachers there had really good degrees. Like the guy that beat me out for the job or that ended up getting the job had his, his undergrad from Harvard and his master's from Penn. And so it's like on paper, I just, I don't win. Like on paper, I'm a community college graduate and I went to Rowan university in New Jersey, which back then wasn't even like that place is bougie as hell looking. Now it's a really, really wonderful school. And it was a good school when I went there but it was more like a teacher's college. And so like on paper, I just don't look like phenomenal, but you know, so it's, to me, it's always been about like getting to the interview. I think if you're going to do it, one, it might depend on, on that paper stuff. But two, it's like, you know, I just think doing, I just think doing stuff like looking up the school before you go in the interview helps because you are knowledgeable about where you want to teach and you can look up things um, and ask about specific programs and show that you know something about their school. Again, it's like it's like when you go on a date with someone, you don't want that. And this is from a guy that has not been on a date in like 26 years with someone other than the not so secret wife. Um, but when you go on a date with someone, you don't want to let them know that it's like just another date or like this isn't like I don't really care. Um, you want to go in like, no, I th- this is, you know, I don't know. Maybe I don't know what the hell I'm talking about in this one. Um, in terms of dating, but I just think like, it's not, you don't want to be like, I got another date after this, right? Like that school wants to feel special. They want to feel like you're present. They want to feel like you actually want to be there. So going into it with that mindset really, really helps. 
And then I think, man, in my life, the handwritten note has gone so far in a hundred ways in my life where you literally can write it out ahead of time if you want to. And on your way out of the building, throw it in a mailbox down the street. Hey, thanks so much for having me and for interviewing me. It was really nice to meet you and your staff. I look forward to hearing from you all in the future. My best to you, signed, whatever your name is. And that just goes so far because everyone else is sending a follow-up email. You are going old school, sending something that shows up in the mail that someone's going to see and see you took the time to actually write something out. I just think personal touches like that go forever, Um, which is, yeah, that's the end. I could talk about that forever, but instead I would go on to the next question, which is... Oh, okay. Casey. Um, I was, I was going to say that was the same question. Uh, Casey job is asking, what do you think about the recent talk to catch up students next year? What do you think teachers should do to make uh, learning deficits from school closures? Look, Casey, oh, wait, before you or Cassie, that, maybe someone said, um, Mr. James Pete said, I not only write a personalized letter, but I call that night when nobody is there and leave a message. Bam. That's smart. Mr. James P. It's a good move, man. That's smart because you're not, you're like yeah. going to be on a voicemail yeah. um, and you're not like interrupting anyone or anything like that. Yeah. That's a sweet move. Thanks. I'm going to take that. Okay. All right. So, <laughs> no. Uh, so, Cassie, uh, I think the idea of catching students up is not going to happen, right? Here's why. Um, I, I just, look, I think. Here's why. School doesn't need to take as long as it does. I think that we take these concepts and it's like some days my lesson could be 10 minutes, man, but I got to fill 55 minutes with something like it's about to me. It's about building skill. So in my class, it's not just learning simile, metaphor, like all the different literary terms. It's not just about like it's not just about like knowledge acquisition. It's about skill acquisition. It's about building students that are readers, but are readers with grit. Um, We find that in our school, a lot of our students don't do well on state testing because they don't have the grit to read through a long passage. So what they do instead is they just try to answer the questions and then go back and look in the essay until they get tired of doing that or bored with doing that. And then they just skip the rest of those questions or just fill them in. But they don't have the grit to be able to read through a long passage because either their reading level's not there, either they just aren't used to reading that much, either or um, they're distracted. So it's building in that that grit. So which is why we have Independent Reading Day every week, or that we read together in class, um, even though that's not a popular thing that folks do. Or we read in small groups and everyone takes a turn. Because you need to build up that grit for students. It's not just about answering questions. But it's like having in-depth answers. It's about looking at your your opponent in an argument, taking what they're going to say, what you think they're going to say, and then using it back on them. These are all skills that we're trying to build in our students. And so skills take time. I don't know that like you can work out harder, but it doesn't mean you're necessarily getting stronger. I think you're just getting strained. And I think the worst thing that we can do is take our students who are a lot of them are dealing with a lot in this time. Like I think educators or not even educators i think politicians are looking at this from a from a, are we checking all the boxes and are our young people growing into 21st century learners and all this nonsense but instead we're not looking at like 
the, the price that kids are paying right now by being home, by being disconnected, by being anxious, by being worried about mom being at work and can they pay for food and, do, you know, you know, what, what happens when they run out of food or run out of money or when, you know, they're just like being cooped up too much and not having interactions with people like we're not taking into account that this is a real toll that our students are, are going through. And when we don't do that and then we just show up next year and it's like, all right, everyone had like this vacation or you had all this time off. Now we got to catch up. It's like, bro, you don't solve stress by piling on more stress. Just take the year as it goes. And look, the first part of the year is everyone relearning what they learned last year anyway, because we all had off all summer. So it's, I don't think that's that big of a deal. I think my students are going to be fine next year. There's going to be a little, you know, like a slighter, slightly longer takeoff in the beginning of the year, but I think we're good. It's not, we haven't been out for a million years. It's like a few months, even if it was a year, I just don't think it's that big of a deal. I think everyone's going to be fine. Um, but the idea of like pushing kids to do more, it's like, I don't think the school day needs to be as long as it does. I don't think kids should be going in as early as they have. Like my children, what time did our kids used to have to leave when we took them to school? 7.45? Oh my God, we would wait if we were leaving at 7.45, like 7.40. What in the hell are you taking nine-year-olds to school at 7.40 in the morning before? For It's because it's a babysitting service is yeah. what it is. It's not because they're more academically rigorous in the morning or something like that. Lord knows the kids are all tired in the morning and not ready to go. So it's just tricky. So I'll, I'll end that read now too. This is uh, J-Boy is asking, um, with the distance learning now, what is the pulse of the teaching community going forward that this is going to reshape how teaching is? Will schools start eliminating actual uh, start eliminating actual classes? Um, that's a great question. I think my sense is, my hope is that one from off the bat that we actually celebrate teachers. Um, I saw somebody who did this. Somebody posted this on Instagram this morning where there was like a mom's SUV and on the side, it was like written in paint or something that you you're a liar. My child is not uh, a joy to have in class. It is, it is an actual skill to show up every day to teach 20 to 40 kids in a classroom or more to navigate all the stress, all the madness, all that's going on in their lives to try and get them to want to learn, to come in, engage after like, it's like having a baseball team that doesn't want to play baseball. And every day you got to try and coax them into playing baseball and, and let them think that it's actually fun. Um, I, I think that that is a skill and not just, and not, it's not always, it's something that can be learned on a level, but like extraordinary teaching. I don't, I don't, I don't know. Like I, that, like the jury's out for me on that one. Um, I, I think it's, it's talent. I think a lot of, you know, folks that are going in the classroom have a special gift to be able to do what they're doing. And so that's something how it reshapes schools. Um, look, I, I think right now the name of the game is engagement. If you want kids to do work, you got to tell them why they're doing it. You got to give them what they got to know. And then you got to help them to get excited or motivated about doing it. And man, if teachers were allowed to have the autonomy in the classroom, not even to create their own lessons, like even if you have, if what you have is a textbook that you're given and that's all you got, are you given the autonomy to take this and make it into this? It's how are you going to sprinkle magic on top of the lessons that you're doing that's going to make kids want to show up and do it? So 
whether that's teaching through the lens of video games or hip hop or um, or monster trucks or, you know, I don't know, like Paw Patrol, right? Like depending on how old your students are, if you can connect it to things kids are excited about, if you can get them moving, you can get them engaged. I just think that that's going to be the move coming back to is I'd love to be able to see like teachers having more autonomy to get students engaged and use some of these tips and tricks and all this stuff they're kind of coming up with now to get kids to want to do stuff. I just think it's going to be the jam. Um, and this focus on social, emotional and relationships, man, I've been ringing this bell so long for so loud or so loud for so long that it's relationships are everything. And now those of us with relationships are making withdrawals on that investment because you've built that relationship. You can call that kid and say, bro, I'm really concerned about you. I really want to see you doing the work. And I really want to see like how you're doing, how you feeling, what's going on in your life. And when you can do that, kids know that they actually care. You're not a teacher that's never talked to that kid ever. And then you're calling and being like, Hey, I'm wondering about your grades right now. It's like, bro, you never cared before this. Why do I care now what you're saying? And you're, you're making those withdrawals in the investment. That's going to be huge. And so making sure that teachers have time and space to do that with students when they go back to school is going to make it. That's going to be a game changer also. Um, tonight is called Long Answers with Reynolds. It's always called that. It should be called Live in the Laundry Room. Um, Jeremy. Jeremy, that is curious in the way that you're naming, that you spell your name. I kind of dig that. Um uh Jeremy Lesser is asking, hi CJ, what are your three best tips you could give for a student teacher? Well, first of all, I have two videos on this. Um, if you just go into the top of my channel and you go to there's a little magnifying glass when you go on the channel, you can just type in student teaching, and then there's a bunch of stuff on there. I think um top three would be one, have fun. Uh, I think you should always be trying to have fun. I think you know it is it makes it makes your whole life better when you try and make something fun. Um, two, get to know your students from day one. Do not wait till you feel comfortable. Don't wait till they, till you think like, um, you know, uh, like it's your time or your place to be able to start engaging with students. I think from day one, you're standing at the door, you're shaking every single hand that comes into the classroom saying what's up, talking to kids in the hallway, talking when they show up, when they leave at the end of the day, that's the move. And then three, um, Remember that teachers actually know more than you think they do. So look, teaching is a hard job. And I think sometimes when I was student teaching, I had a critical or judgmental eye when I looked at teachers because I thought like they had lost the juice. They lost the, they didn't, they didn't have the sauce anymore. And so, but when you start doing the job, you realize that it ebbs and flows. Some days I'm on fire. Some days I go into school, I'm on 10 and I look like, I just feel like I'm in reservoir dogs, except for the killing part when everyone's like, what, when it's that slow-mo walk, like down the hallway and like music's playing in your head, you're like, damn, I got this today. And then other days I'm on zero and I don't have it. And so I've had those days when folks have come in to, to see what I'm doing and I, I just don't have it. Like I'm not living up to like whatever they thought they were going to see when they come in. Um, and so it's like, you know, but it's, it's taking teachers advice. Um, and really internalizing it despite what you're seeing them do in the classroom sometimes, because sometimes they're just having a hard day. And I think it's important to always remember that people are fighting a battle that we know nothing about. Um, that even when someone looks like the shit on Instagram, you know, real life is still happening, man. It's real stuff still going on. So nobody knows what's happening in your head, you know, and sometimes they don't. 
a good place for people and sometimes it ain't. Yes. Um, two, Stacy Moreland is asking, uh, I worried, I'm worried whatever in class slash digital hybrid my county, or my county? Yeah. My county comes up with this fall is going to make it difficult to foster those positive relationships with my students. Any advice for that? Stacy? here's, this might be unpopular, but I'm going to say it anyway. I think that if we make kids our priority, we win every single time. There are any number of things that I'm, and this is me saying this live on the internet and, and I have no idea who really watches this stuff. Um, so it could be my school. I put kids over everything all the time, no exceptions. The end. Um, so it's about making small, and look, that doesn't mean I'm like, I'm not shirking my responsibilities. I'm not not getting stuff done all the time, but I'm not, but I put kids first all the time. And I think when we do that, we are, one, we're showing students that they're more important to us than, than the lesson is, than the rules are, um, which is, you know, fair is not always equal. And so that, you know, if I have a kid that like does something in class and someone else does the same thing, it's like, ah, and, the, and you know, this kid didn't get in trouble and this kid did. And they're like, how come I got in trouble? He didn't do it. Bro, fair's not equal. And it's not because I'm, I'm not, don't think of him higher than you, but like, I know what this guy's backstory is. I know what he came in with this morning. So when he cursed in class, I didn't jump on him for it. Cause I know he's trying to work that out. He's trying to, he's trying to be present. He's trying to be here, but it's hard for him today. Um, when I let kids sleep on my couch, sometimes when I know, that in the past kids have had a very, very difficult night that some kind of trauma has met them that maybe someone died. I've had an, any number of kids that someone's died in their life and then they still show up to school. Why? Because they need the consistency and there's nowhere else to go. Kids that have gotten kicked out of their houses and I know they were sleeping somewhere in the street and so they come in and sleep on my couch that day. And we have a conversation that this isn't going to be an ongoing thing, but if you need a day and you need to check, you got it. Like I'll, I'll back you on that. So it's, um, I, I think putting our students first is always the, the best things. Look, and look, I, I, I really, really think that administrators, all of them really got into the job because they have kids on their heart. They care about kids the most, but when making policies, when doing politics, you got to do what, what you got to do, right? You got to make the thing look a certain way, but I, you know, even with all the problems we have with our kids going to our own public school, my sense was at a heart level, these people really cared about children. But I think um, get, the teachers did. Yes. The admin, not so much. But uh, Heck, I will argue I cannot even get started on that through the conversations that I've had with admin at our current at our district school for our children. Yeah. Get that. Get the heck out of here. I completely you almost you're dang right. And I have so much like to say and actual documentation that proves otherwise with my own with our fight with it. I'll say this. The teachers always had a heart for for our kids and any concerns that but even some of the folks we dealt with, I felt like it was now look, they felt like their hands were tied. I don't think their hands are really tied. I mean, look, like we got yeah. jobs, people have to take care of their families, they have a mortgage. You don't know what's going on where if they lost their job because they stood up for kids instead of for policy, they would, I don't know what would happen to them. And so maybe you feel like your hands are tied, but even some of those folks, like if they were at a school where they could, if they were in a position where they could have given Brody 
all that he needed, I think they would have. I think, but instead, you feel like, you know, your superintendent or whatever, the hand of God is going to come down and strike you down if you allow. Yeah, that that's 100% the problem in our district is that the yeah. superintendent literally made moves against the teachers if they stood up for anything yes. other than. Because all of a sudden, those teachers found themselves in like the super, uh, you know, the, in the classroom with the kids no. that are all self-contained, that are like the really I will say this, classroom. the head of the special ed director for our district, or she's former, she's no longer there, probably because I pushed her out, but she, even if she could, would not have, because that's not who she and was. That, that's her. possible too. But I'm saying, I think the majority of administrators I, I, are really in it for the kids. Majority, right? I'll not everyone, right? There's some evil people out there probably. <laughs> Before we go full marital discourse. <laughs> oh yeah, here we are. <laughs> it, look, it looks like I'm talking to myself right now. I know. So if someone's muting this, it's just like, it looks like, who the hell is Reynolds is just off talking to Wilson? He's been in quarantine for too long. There's right, like, he's going nuts. Okay, yeah. go ahead, move on. This is why we should co-host this. I keep uh, telling my wife we should co-host this, but... Could you use, Could you use From a puppet? Here. Yeah, like, just have, like, a little... We'll get Lionel Richie, and we'll dress it up like you. <laughs> Hello! <laughs> Kate, the sleepy teacher, would love it. Um, Weber is asking, I attend community college this fall and will be taking EDU classes. My college doesn't do field experiences. Do you have any advice on seeking out opportunities to work with students? This is a great question. First of all, Weber, I want to say that community college should be, it should just be taken more seriously. My students think that community college is like you I don't know. It's like, you're just not good enough. And I think my community college experience, um, I went to Camden County College in New Jersey, had a great, great experience, had some of the best professors that I've ever had in my life, some of the best experiences I've ever had in my life. Um, and I just cannot say it loud. When we, when we, so I, I'm broke all the time uh, as a teacher, but uh, so I just never make the purchase. But my dream is when we go to school and we have shirt days where we can wear like our college sweatshirts and stuff like that our college t-shirts and I work with people that like you know my friend Sarah went to Harvard um my friend Randy went to Harvard other people have gone to UPenn or gone to Wharton or Penn State uh and it's what you do with what you've got that really makes the difference and that's not like a lot of bumper stickers but um I just think it's awesome so how do you get into uh getting chances with students I think um one Calling, I would call local schools and say, hey, this is my situation. Maybe write an email um, and say, I'm looking to start engaging with students and build my skill set. Do you have any opportunities available? I could tutor kids after school. I could work as part of an after school program or whatever. Or do you have any teachers that wouldn't mind if I came in and just uh, like observe their classes once a week, once a month, like wh whatever is, is doable for you? But I think it's reaching out to folks and just asking those questions. You'll find it. Um, maybe you could work for a tutoring center. Maybe you could just start tutoring on your own. I know that, like, you know, I haven't checked in a while, but I remember one summer when I just, like, needed to make money, I was looking up on on Craigslist. And Craigslist had uh, tons of tutors that were on there. And you could just go on, post. And, you know, some folks are charging 30 to $50 an hour that you can uh do 50 to 80 or 50 to 80 i would charge 100 um because <laughs> i'd be like yeah i think i'm i'm babe i'm trying to price myself high these days it's my kind of you know if you want your kid to get his ass taught off that sounded weird um so like 
they it's uh it's i think it's creating your own um experiences and that's what i would do i think a nice phone call to any number of schools the 20 schools that are closest to your house asking them and then look here's the here's the kicker for that dude is that if you do that, you're building connections with staff. You're building connections with administration. They get to see your face. If a job opening comes up there and you can apply for it after you're done going to school, you have that much more of an in at that particular institution because you've already created those connections there. Uh, Natalie is asking, Natalie Blackman, how do you consider, uh, have you ever considered moving to administration or a different position? That goes along with that last one. Oh, Tyler Smith said, should teachers... Want to move to any administration positions? Um, see what we can do there. Have you ever considered move to admin realm? So um, I have, but you know, uh, one of my favorite comedians, if not my favorite comedian of all time, is this guy Mitch Hedberg. And so Mitch Hedberg used to say, "I got in the comedy to do comedy." But everyone, when you get in the comedy, they want to know, "Great, you're a comedian. Can you act?" And he's like, "That's kind of like asking someone that's been." Uh, that worked really hard in their life to become a really great cook. It's like you spent all these years perfecting your craft to be a really great chef. And they go, great, you're a great cook. Can you farm? And he said, like, to me, that like teaching's always kind of been like that. I got into teaching to teach. I didn't get into being an administrator. There were thoughts I had even um, recently where I would try to, I, I thought about doing that because I thought like I could help more students in the ways that I really wanted to help students and build like maximize those relationships. Um, but I don't think, I don't think it's in the cards for me. Um, those that I know that have been at least assistant principals and Royster might be able to speak to this um, more is you are problem solving and, and cleaning up issues all the time. And there's doesn't seem like there's as this is my own experience with talking to educators. This is not like, I don't really know this. That's why I said like Richard Royster might know better, but there's not as much time to just have student engagement because you're constantly putting out fires. And so I don't want to do that. I don't want to clean up problems for other people, but, but if I was a teacher coach or something like that, that would be something I think that would be a little bit more interesting, but then I'm not dealing with students as much Royce anymore. Um, so it's not for yeah. Royce said it's not for everybody. So, you know, um, crisis management nonstop. That's my job. And so I, I think what my next move for me is at some level is really taking what I've been doing with Real Rap with Reynolds and kind of either taking that on the road or working that into curriculums or something like along those lines. Like I'd really love, I think even in schools that don't have a lot of money, I think teachers are constantly student focused and they don't focus on themselves enough. And so they, there's not the self-care, there's not time to like really um build up their 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 base and, and from what, what they can pull from and put into lessons put into you know ideas put into their classrooms because they're just because there's so much that's required of us to put into our students and and that's that's the draw to education right the draw isn't a dope classroom or work-life balance or something like that the draw is students and so i would i think my next kind of chapter in my life is going to be um, putting into teachers. It's helping teachers maximize who they are and what they've got and helping them to look at what they can and make something from nothing sometimes, but to maximize that so that they can be better teachers for their students, I think, and and serve their communities in a, in a fuller capacity. So um, I always think that you should, you would be a great admin though. 
Like, like Richard Rooster said, like crisis management nonstop. That you're so good at that. Yeah, I. I like am. you're a natural leader. You're look, really look, I good and I at don't... crisis. Like you come up with like unique situations. I think you'd just be a really great admin. But if you're just like teaching, right? If you're not passionate about it, like don't go. It's not that I'm not passionate about it. What what I'm getting at to, at this point in my career is there's too many students and not enough time. And so like I know that like I, I know what my strengths are and I know what my weaknesses are. And so if my strengths are largely it is, and this can go for any teacher that's trying to think this out, right? Um, where do your strengths lie and how do you maximize, to me, the way I think about this, right? Not to get too woo-woo, but like, how do I maximize the blessing that I can have on other people? Yeah. I think comes at, for me, starting to interact more with educators because I could have my 120 or so students or the 500 kids that I really get down with the most every year um that's a bigger that impact. number yeah how do i multiply that it is ha, has been youtube books speaking all that stuff so how do i do that at scale really start really having an effect on the education system by by having by pouring into teachers so they can pour into their students and their own communities is by by expanding that i think yeah. so anyway someone just said teaching teachers is an excellent way to impact even more kids thank you yeah a bit in a real way, right? Yeah. It's not like the PDs that we all know and hate a lot of times, right? And so um, it's like trying to do something that's real for teachers and and, and that, so that's what I'm thinking about. Um, God, did I read this? No, Scott no. is asking, um, do you think it's worth, Scott, baseball, baseball profile pictures making me a little bit sad because I don't watch a lot of sports on TV, but man, there's almost nothing I love more than going to a baseball game eating a really crappy hot dog and drinking expensive cheap beer is, you know, oh, it is with the sunshine. It's like, damn, Marley would have the French ball game, in there. Bro, it's the best. I love everything about baseball games, especially because you get to yell and it's acceptable. Um, do you think it's worth it to get a master's to open up with other work opportunities in a school, not being a principal though? So Scott, I think, there, there's definitely an uptick to having your master's. Some states, some some schools require that now, uh, or you're going to get overshadowed if you don't have your master's. I don't have my master's, like I said, but part of that's because I didn't start teaching until I was 27. Then I started having kids, and then life just got too busy. Like I didn't, I did not. I, it wasn't that I couldn't go back to school. I did not want to put that on my priority list. Um, I wanted to be present for my children, and especially now, I am completely thankful that like my wife stayed home with my kids. I was home with my kids as much as possible. I'm present with my kids because they go from zero to almost 13. Now Brody will be 13 this summer in a friggin' heartbeat. It is, it's so fast and it's crazy. So like, um, so I didn't want to do that. And now at this point, I don't think I'll ever go back for that, but, uh, and that's for a whole host of reasons, but, um, it depends on the district that you're teaching in the state you're teaching at. I would look at what is your kind of competition going to be going into some of the schools, like get in touch with some teachers at local schools or the schools that you think you want to teach at. And if that's the gig, do it. Um, cause, cause you're going to need that piece of paper to get in. But I think to be honest with you, I think you can learn a hell of a lot on your own by 
really pushing the envelope by reading all the books, by meeting all the people. It's those connections that are really going to help you elevate and get to your next space um, by doing something like, and I'm not just saying this because I do mentoring, but like by doing mentoring with a teacher, uh, that's going to help you on a personal level really grow as an educator, um, maybe more than, than getting your master's. But that's also coming from someone that doesn't have their master's. Uh, okay. That one, and then it's not. Okay, got it. Uh, um, yeah, I'll talk about it. So uh, Joseph is asking, um, hey, CJ, what happened with Upgrade Ed? I went on to look at some of the behavioral management PD and I can't find it anymore. The Facebook bet page is blank too. Love the channel. So look, I'll, I'll speak to this um, and I'm going to be careful and uh, and but honest. Um, so Upgrade Ed was this initiative that I had with two other um, YouTubers that wanted to do this idea of creating online pro professional development that we could create, that we could sell to uh, to districts was the dream and not just to, to teachers. Because um, any anything that, you know, it's like districts have more money than teachers do. So we we tried that. The problem with, on my end was, um, and which was the only problem, I think, was um, I needed to so look part part of what i do on real rap with reynolds is like I, I do this i make all these videos i put them out for free i do create all this content for free um but the, you know the idea behind building this was always to be able to help my son get into a school that he needed and so when we really kicked up real rap with reynolds it was because we knew brody um was, you know, when I talk about how schools are for vanilla children and they, you know, but what happens when your kid's mint chocolate chip? And my, I have a mint chocolate chip kid that doesn't fit into that vanilla you lifestyle. You have mint chocolate chip and a Rocky Road. I do. We I have, have two of them. I have very, very different children. And so um, that just like learn their own way. They're wonderful and beautiful and, and amazing in their own way, but they don't fit the mold of traditional schooling. So when we really kicked this up, it was like, well, what can we do to make money to do this without, I don't want to, I don't want to take YouTube videos and make people pay for them. I didn't want to necessarily do a Patreon. Um, I wanted to earn my money. I didn't want to just ask for, for a handout. And um, so what we did was we started writing the book. We started doing upgrade ed. I started uh, speaking. I started, um, what else were we doing? I forget what other initiative we were kicking off mentoring and it was like, it was literally like I was fishing on the beach. I threw out seven fishing lines and I caught a fish on every single one of them. Like every single thing hit. Like when we started mentoring, mentoring went through the roof. I actually got a book deal um, with an actual finish date that I had to have. Upgrade Ed was working and the first course that we went up did really, really well. And I literally last summer spent Oh, so much less time with my family because it was literally last summer was the worst between it, my dad's but, death and the workload but it was the worst head. but it was also like great it yes. was that was the plan last summer was like look we're gonna forego like actual summer because we're just gonna work our asses off and that was like spending weekends at people's houses and spending all night on working on content and, and all the stuff so it became too much i needed to step back and say so this is my experience I needed to step back and say, um, I can't do all these things. I need to take a hiatus from Upgrade Ed and just until I finish the book. Once the book is done and, and signed, sealed, delivered, let's, we can rock that. Um, my partners, I guess, didn't feel that way. And then I just um, 
I never heard from them again. Like it was just, that was the end. And I never heard from anyone again. I emailed, I typed, I texted and said like, I really apologize. I'm so sorry for what has happened. Um, but then I just never heard anything again. So then that, but then it became this weird thing where like the Instagram site was still up. The website was still up for a while, but we weren't really running it. So it was like, I don't know. What do I tell people? I don't like loose ends, but if I can't get anyone to talk to me, what do you do with that stuff? Yeah. So it just became this tricky space um, that felt really crappy, but you know, that's when you're working with people, you can only, you know, there's constraints there. Uh, and so that's kind of what happened with that. Um, but I never made like a public announcement or anything, which is what I would have loved to have done. Just say, Hey, look, even if it didn't work out, didn't work out. I own it. Um, and it's, it really didn't work out because I was incredibly blessed in a hundred other in not hundred, but like in all these other areas of my life that it was like too much stuff that I felt like Peter throwing the net over and um, catching too many fish in the Bible was like, dude, I can't pull this up by myself. Like the boat's going to sink. Mm -hmm. So it was like, I got to let something go so I can grow these other things. That's what it was. Um, yeah. Is that sufficient? I think so. All right. So that's the deal. Um, other question. Where was it? Oh, snap. Okay. I <laughs> forgot. I thought you, I thought it was going to be the, like yeah. the under ones. Anybody moved it up. Jason is asking, I was thinking about teaching high school English, but I might want to be an entrepreneur instead. Which path would you recommend for work-life balance and overall satisfaction? So look, I think Jason, um, I, I think whatever is going to make you really happy. Uh, I think you can do both. Um, I certainly feel like that that's what I'm doing right now. But I'll tell you, it's a lot of work. What no one can see from the other side of this camera is just how much I actually work. It is sometimes crazy. Like, like, and and the problem is, I really love work. Um, so I have to create work life balance so I actually can engage with my kids, my wife, take care of myself. But um, I work fifteen, sixteen hours a day. day. You know, <laughs> yeah, and then like multiple days in a row for weeks at a time. Um, it's getting up at four o'clock in the morning, doing, working, taking care of yourself, going to work, just spending the whole day at work, coming home, family time, and then working until one o'clock in the morning sometimes to get stuff done. Um, and in the case of Upgrade Ed, that was 100% of what was actually happening. So it felt like what happens is things start getting watered down. You're not doing anything well. You're just kind of doing everything mediocre. But when you're young and you don't have kids, like, just, I don't think, I don't think I realized how much time I had when I was younger to actually like just get after it. Um, so you could do both, but I think to me, it's like, what were you meant to do? What is your, what's your calling? What do you feel passionate about? Because teaching when you're not, when it's not a calling, it's hard to show back up the next day. It's hard when some kid curses you out when a parent hates you, when nothing's going right in school, when you don't feel like you were it's actually your thing you were put on earth to do, bro. It's real hard to show. It's like going on a date with someone that's trying to leave and does not want to date you, but you're like that girlfriend from Wayne's world. That's like, no, Wayne, I brought you a gun rack. And he's like, what? Like we broke up a month ago. Like that's what, you know, you know, no one wants someone teachers need to show up with passion, with excitement and feel like this is what they were given on this earth to do. Um, and if you don't feel like that, 
it's worth, you know, thinking about like, well, why would I want to teach then? Is it because I love English or is it because I love like, this is my job that I've been given to do. Um, and so, yeah, that's what I would do. Um, and, but like I said, I think there's all kinds of tie-ins in there. Like I look at people like Casey Morris, a hundred percent became a teacher entrepreneur. Like there's all kinds of people that are on Instagram and YouTube that are like, you know, that are running side businesses and doing stuff. Like I think of my friend Megan Forms who's too cool for middle school, people that are doing brand deals, people like Jen Jones that are finding that medium space of like being able to do both and get after it. I think it can a hundred percent happen. Oh, dang it. It did move. And Jump. I lost my space. Oh, it wasn't just me. No. All right. We're way over How on time. How can this happen? Oh, it's, are our kids starving now? No, they don't need us. You got one more? Let's do one more. I'm losing my voice all the time. It's, that's my other thing. I feel like when teachers go back, one, no one's going to be able to hold their pee anymore. And two, we're all going to lose our voices in like three seconds because you haven't talked this much in forever. You answer. No. Oh, sure. Uh, Mr. James Pete, Pete, not Peach, is asking, um, do you have any advice for this YouTube stuff? I love your channel and it's so much more real than others of these channels that I've been watching. How did you connect? Um, so, James, I think... It's look, I mean, to me, there's a million things in this, right? But one of the things that I really love, Seth Godin wrote a book called Pur The Purple Cow. And The Purple Cow is, the idea is that, look, there's a, there's a million hamburger restaurants out there. How do you differentiate yourself from the, everyone else? There's a million pizza places out there. How do you become the one everyone's talking about? So it is, to me, it's dialing in. I think this works for teachers too. You cannot look at other teachers, even the ones that you dreamed of being, even the one that inspired you when you were a little kid or when you were in, in college to be a teacher. You need to become the teacher that you were meant to be. And so I think on YouTube, there has been this homogenous thing that has happened where like certain teachers that started YouTube channels sort of set the tone. They set what the background is going to look like, how they're going to engage with their, their audience, how they're going to talk how they're going to dress, how they're going to speak, what kind of things you're going to do. Color and palettes. Color, all of it. All of it. Like, it is, <laughs> some of it has become very homogenized, right? And look, I, I don't diss them. Like if it works for you, if that's what makes you excited, I think, look, I love growing up. I played um, in a lot of cover bands. Like I was a drummer. I played in a lot of cover bands and I loved it, right? It wasn't my own music. I didn't write it. I didn't come up with this stone song or the Tom Petty song was like, but I loved playing it and I got to put my own spin on it. Right. But, um, I think it's something else. And I'm not saying, I'm not louding myself and saying like that I went and did this awesome, amazing original thing, but, um, it's figuring out how do you fit into that? And so are the, the, the person that in your community that you are and focusing on that. And I just think that that works really well. So examples of this, I think Royster, uh, Richard Royster, who's in here, has really done this. Royster does not run his YouTube channel like any other YouTuber. He celebrates his students, his school, his community. He is, and it's awesome. It is 100% what Royster does. I think people like Colby Sharp, who has a YouTube channel that's not the same as everyone else's, it doesn't, he doesn't have the numbers that everyone else's, but you know what? He has a trusted community on there of followers that are, he suggests something and they do it. He recommends a book and they buy it because he's become a trusted source to folks on 
in his community that he can do those things. And so it's, I just think that's it. And you have to get real used to having low numbers for a long time. But here's the thing with numbers, right? Kevin Kelly said it best. Uh, he's the creator of Wired Magazine. Kevin Kelly said, all you need is a thousand followers. If you have a thousand true fans, rather, followers sounds like you're, you know, culty. Yeah, culty. Um, if you have a thousand true fans, those are the fans that are going to do anything that you can, like, you built a real connection, right? So if you say, hey, everyone, this book's available now. They'll probably go buy that book and support that. You know, if I, when I told people about Colby Sharp's book, my hope is that people actually went and bought Colby Sharp's book. Um, if you say, I'm listening to this podcast, I'm watching this show, I'm doing this thing, that thousand true supporters are really all that anyone really needs. Because if you are trying to make money from it, say, say you come up with a product, you sell that product and it's, um, a hundred dollars. You sell it to a thousand people. That's a hundred thousand dollars that you can make. And so that's what I really, really think is is the move there. It's not trying to be like anyone else. Now, look, yeah. I look to people for inspiration on how I edit the kind of music that I want to do, the kind of vibe that I want to create. I looked and I gained inspiration, but um, it's really. It, but, I think for online, it's creating a community. It's view. always creating. And a community. What did, um, was it Seth Godin that said like you create the like people who operate out of like trying to create a product and then yeah. a community around the product doesn't wins. work. It's yeah. just creating the community. That's, like that's a ton of entrepreneurs, but Seth Godin says that too. Yeah, you can't say like, I invented this coffee mug and now I have to find people that are going to use this. It's create a community and then say, hey, I made this coffee mug. If you're interested, would you be willing? You know, it's available for sale on my website. And then that's I, what that's you're so doing. Funny. That's exactly what we did. Unknowingly, like, yeah, well, that's because our, the, you know, our gig was like, you know, this is some real rap behind the scenes stuff. Was like, we just started creating videos with no hope that we would no. ever do anything with it, right? No, we and created then, videos for Verbi, which was the hilarious. Part. Yeah, but then we created videos for teachers yeah. that we thought were funny or interesting or, or useful, and then that grew and grew and grew. And then to me, it's always been about community. My whole life is about community, so it's interacting with those people which is why people like Tracy Pinter, like not only do I know her, but like she's been to my house um, that I've talked with unicorns rock on the phone and met up with Royster and brought him in when we went to Miami last year. And all this stuff like is what's your jam relationship. It's it's, but that, but that ends up, then I hear that piece of advice. And I'm like, Oh, well that's what we were doing anyway. Cause it's yeah. always about community. The, the teacher talk is not, ever about me it's not about my talking head if i could i'd love to guess people and answer different questions all the time the technology isn't there for youtube um but it's always been about all of us interacting together showing up and like someone said last week feeling like you're at home and being a part of a group that we're all helping teachers to take it to the next level um like like alshmeyer's book says like next level teaching uh or to teach your class off um I think that's what it's always been about. Oh. Do you want to answer any teacher questions? Or... Okay. You got. Um... I thought that was the last one, but I'm good. I'm good to go. I'm starving right now, but I'm good. I'm I'm down to answer questions. I like that it's now quiet. No, I don't know where it went. You lost it. Yeah, you can answer Janelle. Uh, Janelle asked, hey, everyone, I work at a school and I'm with kids for almost 11 hours a day. I've been wanting to reach out to my kids, but I can't host a Google Meet. Anyone is a teacher 
do you think would be too much to ask a teacher to host one for me so I can talk to my kids? Um, why can't you do it yourself? Can't host a Google Meet anyone? Yeah, I don't understand. Oh, it's up okay. there. Um, soon I had great relationships with different teachers. Yeah, but it's a good idea to make a video, but I wouldn't get to talk with them. Um, I don't. No, I'm a monitor for K through five, and I work at the before and after school program. I've been a surprise guest for lunches and. Program. Um, you know, I don't know. So she's not, a, she's something? a monitor for K through five. And I guess she goes to all of the different programs. Oh, and got she's it. not, she says, I worked at their before and after school program. Mm -hmm. So she gets to be like a surprise guest. For uh, she also said, it's really my fifth graders that I want to host one for because they're graduating soon and we had good relationships, So uh, well, great, but they all have different teachers. I have an answer for this. Oh. It's, it's, this and if someone else has an answer, that'd be great. I would contact parents and create an opportunity. Now, whether or not they want their child to go on there or maybe they come home with their child, it's completely up to them. But it's in education so many times. Yeah, but especially she's not allowed time, to hold a Google Meet. Why? I don't know. Because maybe because if she's you're, not technically a teacher. But if you're personally reaching out to parents and saying, if one of Brody's teachers said, or he had an aide like he's had before that he really connected yeah, with, yeah. right? Some of those aides. And they were like, look, I'm not the teacher. I'm not like, I'm not allowed to run a class or anything, yeah. but I'd really like to just see the kids. I really like to just let them know that I care, that I'm thinking about them, what can I've been she doing. Send, can she make a video? Like, instead of having to contact parents if you're not allowed, like, you, you know, schools are, especially kids, like K to five, yeah. five, or even fifth grade, like, that's super, could be touchy that you're not allowed. Can't she make a video, like, and send it out to the teachers to send out to the kids? Absolutely. But what she wants to do is have interaction with the students. Oh. Um, okay, or I would just find a teacher that I really get down with and I would co-host one and be like, yo, let me, <clears throat> let me do this with you one day. Oh, she um, said, I, I'm not, a, she's not allowed to contact parents or teachers. I don't what? know. All right. This is, that's. Make a video. That's, that's literally crazy. the best thing. that I would make a video and then. I don't know. Only teachers can. So she's like, I'm not allowed to contact parents. I don't have contacts. Yeah, that's, I literally think your only move is, is making a video. Yeah. And so it look, what is, uh, so Janelle, I would, I just, this is to, to send someone off to the Facebook group again. I just think that this is one of those moves where you like go to the Facebook group and you see what there's got. And this is why sometimes the best advice comes from someone who's already lived it oh, so somebody cool. else has to have been out there that has tried to do the same thing you're doing and has found a workaround um and i think that that's the person to, to ask who are you asking someone said like guest in as google meet like what if you ask the teachers if you can join their google meets yeah yeah that's a good idea. that's what i would do oh that's hard that's so hard for the people who aren't like it's awful like right, like that a teacher is like you build these connections with students and then you want to continue them and foster them but then you're not allowed it's like bro like and you just miss them what are we in the game for we're not in the game that because i'm i mean i love english but like <laughs> i love kids more like that's why i got into it and yeah. and i just feel like it, to me english is the gateway to really talking about life, really exploring who you are and your story and why it's important and all this great, important stuff. But it's because of you that I'm here, right? Yeah. You know, which is the hardest thing about distance learning anyways. It cuts out. So 
Cool. That's it. Cut it off there. Yeah. Right. We're an hour and a half in. Look, people, tomorrow night uh, or Tuesday night, I'm going to be on um, a program with Colin Powell and John Legend and Admiral, Admiral Wilson or Admiral William McRaven um, and a bunch of other Instagrammers and, and YouTubers. So uh, it's called the Get Happy Hour. It is Tuesday, May 5th at 8, 8 p.m. Eastern time. It's created by Explanation Kids and Time for Kids. And if you go right to the Get Happy Hour website, you'll see the link on there for everything where you watch and all that stuff. Um, and then the hope is they were talking about this is something that's potentially going to show up on CBS or NBC also. So it's going to be like this really great thing. They're trying to raise a million dollars for teachers. And so, um, and it's in honor of National uh, Teacher Appreciation Day. So my, here's my hope. My hope is that I do this. My hope is that they raise a million dollars. My hope is that I come back here next week and I can tell everyone exactly where to go and how to get the money and that you can all go on there and get supplies that you need so that you can help your students. So like, do you need a light ring? Do you need a computer? Do you need a microphone for your house? Do you need a green screen? Do you need like, what do you need to make this to go on offense instead of defense in this time of, um, of distance learning and make it your classes the greatest you can for your students? That's what I'm looking. That's why I'm such a huge supporter of this. Um, so watch it on the yeah. So you can watch it at uh, teachergethappyhour.com. There's the, the website John on there too. So that's it, gang. Um, and that's it. That's all we want to tell them, right? Yep. So cool. That's it. Thank you to everyone who's been supporting the book too, and who's been like writing Amazon reviews and stuff, and like sending me all these amazingly gracious emails. It is never lost on me. I am so thrilled. Uh, and that's it, everybody. We'll see you uh, next week. We'll see you tomorrow on Instagram, two o'clock, one o'clock, two o'clock, two o'clock p.m. Eastern time. Peace. <laughs> Hitting all the buttons make this turn off because it takes my whole life. Yeah, yeah. And that's it for this week, gang. Look, if you ever want to have your question answered on Sunday Night Teacher Talk, all you have to do is show up at 5 p.m. Eastern Standard Time on my YouTube channel, Real Rap with Reynolds, and I'd be happy to answer any question that you put out there. Nothing is off the table. Thanks so much for your support. We really, really appreciate it. And I hope you have a great week. Peace.